following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. We're starting a series tonight that I love the word audacious. I love that word. I love that word because it's just a word that means a whole lot to me, and I'll describe it a little later, but I'm going to speak about faith that is audacious, audacious faith, because I think that after God has left us where he's left us with a beautiful resurrection and a beautiful hope of God doing great things in our life, why don't we just apply our faith to that and see what God will have us do in our lives and in the lives of the church this next year. And on this Wednesday night, I'm going to start it with Audacious Faith. Pastor Brad and Pastor Philip will be doing some of the series. We'll probably do about four or five weeks of this. But what a joy to minister to you tonight, and I count it a privilege once again to bring the gospel. Joshua chapter number 10. This is promised land stuff. They're in the land of promise. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself, triumphed over on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jasher, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. That's in your Bible. How many have read that? How many have not? Don't raise your hand if you hadn't read it. <laughs> Audacious faith. Turn to somebody and say, can you talk to the sun? <laughs> you may be seated. You know, when you first read this verse, especially if you isolate it from its context, it sounds so random, so preposterous. That Joshua, a mere man, a mere man, would pray this kind of prayer. And at first glance, it may seem like an irreverent or presumptuous prayer, speaking to the sun, really, Joshua? Telling the sun to stand still? And what I want to share with you right now, because I learned in science a long time ago, the sun never moves anyhow. It doesn't move around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. The sun stands still. And Joshua didn't even know how to pray a proper prayer. He hadn't gone to the right science class in his school. But he said, sun, stand still. But as it turns out, God is not upset, irritated by this bold and daring prayer. In fact, I want to go on record right now. God loves bold prayers. He loves bold prayers. And the truth is, it's not random. It's not presumptuous. And it's not irreverent, but it is audacious. Here's the definition of audacious, to be daring and bold. Audacity causes regular people to have a confident disregard for conventional thinking. <laughs> I call it outside the box spiritual thinking. So picture this scene with me. We're sitting on bleachers under a big top. It's a circus, having a wonderful time laughing at the clowns watching the lions and the tigers jump at the crack of a whip and gazing in all at the acrobats as they perform. 
were caught up in the excitement of the circus and joined in with the crowd in thunderous applause after each act. And the acrobats perform high above us in what seems to us as death-defying feats. And each feat seems greater than the previous one. Ahs and oohs can be heard in unison after each act. And excitement is building as we continue to watch in anticipation of the next act. And the next act is a high wire act. A skilled high wire artist has accomplished so many marvelous feats that the audience has come to believe that he can do almost anything. Then the ringmaster addresses the crowd, ladies and gentlemen, how many of you believe that this daring man can ride safely over a high wire on his bicycle while carrying someone on his shoulders? I used to work for the circus. <laughs> I'm teasing. If you believe that he can, please raise your hand. And everybody in the big top raises their hand. It's a great silence and a chorus of belief. Very well then, said the ringmaster, seeing the almost unanimous vote of confidence. Now, who would like to be the first to volunteer to sit on his shoulders as he does this? And nobody volunteers. See, there is a difference between belief and faith. I believe some things, pastor. I just don't believe they can happen to me. I receive what you're preaching, Pastor, but you are you and I am me. But the, I want to tell you that if you can believe it, you can have it. In the name of the Lord. The difference in belief and faith is a difference between staying in our seats and voluntary to climb the shoulders of the high wire artist. It's unconventional, but conceivable when it's placed in its context. Understand this. Joshua was born into slavery. He was part of the famous exodus from Egypt that included the parting of the Red Sea and then the manna that fell from heaven and the water from a rock and clothes that didn't wear out and shoes made of iron and clouds by day and a pillar of fire by night to keep the Israelites safe and protected and cool and warm. And when one walks in that kind of lifestyle, get this now, they either accept it to be all God are rejected as an explainable something that just happens in life. I want to declare to you, it's, it's important where you go to church. It's important where you hear the word of God. It's important to understand that some people will never preach reaching and obtaining and having faith to get out of your seat and on top of the man riding the bicycle on the high wire and saying, let's go do this. You need to go to a place where somebody says all things are possible to them that believe. Come on, clap your hands to that. And Joshua was raised with all this and he sees hold of a heavenly vision for his life and he got out of his seat. Joshua chapter one, verse two through five. Moses, my servant is dead. The Lord said, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And I will give you every place where you set your foot. Are you hearing this? As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And no one, say no one, no. will be able to stand against you. 
all the days of your life. Can you grab that promise right now? Because the word is for us as well as it is for him. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Clap your hands to that promise. That's sweet stuff. That's good stuff. The backdrop of this story, this context, Joshua was immersed for many years in a heaven-inspired vision of what God wanted to do in his generation. And Joshua had been commanded all of his life to advancing God's plan and experiencing God's promises. Another piece in the story, it had been 40 years since the famous Exodus and the supernatural miracle of the blood on the door and the firstborn being alive and the firstborn being slain by the Egyptians. It had been 40 years since he and his friend Caleb had stood up and said to his countrymen, do not be afraid. God is with us. We are able to defeat the enemy in the land of Canaan. 40 years of being stuck and stalled in the wilderness because of people that did not have belief to get there. Finally, on this day, things were going the right way. His army was experiencing a win, experiencing a win that would put them in a position of total victory over an enemy that had oppressed them and held them back for years. Now, the major obstacle was that the sun would set before the battle could be won, giving the enemy a chance to regroup and come back maybe stronger the next day against the children of God. So this is the context where Joshua becomes audacious. <laughs> audacious. He just gets outside the box. I can see him down there like, where can I pray? What can I say? Oh, I want this victory. And prays an audacious triple S prayer. Son, stand still. I imagine his lieutenant said, what did you just say? Who? Who are you talking to? Son, is that S-O-N or is that S-U? <laughs> In the context of God's inspired vision, point number one, every story that we have has a son. If you're going to be victorious, you're going to have to speak to some sons in your life. You're going to have to open your mouth and say, son, stand still. I'm not going to let this victory get away from me tonight. I'm going to fight this battle until I overcome it before I lay my head down tonight. I'm going to win the battle against this day. Come on, help me now. Your story, oh, I want to preach this. Your story is the context of your life, the where, the who, the why you are. And the sun is simply a metaphor for the seemingly impossible things that God wants to do in and through your life. So somebody has got to get bold enough to not just believe, but have audacious faith to say, son, stand still. Amen. When we're at our place of purpose, there are unique opportunities. There really is for us to partner with God to see the otherwise impossible things become possible. And in our story, we all have opportunities to speak to the sun and see the sun stand still. We will have opportunities to see God do seemingly impossible things in and through our life. Come on, pick up the pen, write your story, write a winning narrative, 
write a God can do anything article, write it, write it now, and then watch God just do it. I want to, just before I left the office tonight, I, I, I turned over to Habakkuk. I love Habakkuk. And I turned over to Habakkuk, and I'm going to pull my glasses off to see this better. And I love chapter 2, write the vision, is what it says in my Bible. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Watch this now. It's going to be so fantastic that he that reads it is going to run. How long has it been since you have written a vision, written a dream, written something in your life, put it on the tables, and let somebody read it, and they go goofy running around the house because it's so powerful. I believe that 2021 is a payback year. Mm. Mm. I don't want to get beside myself, but you're going to make me in a minute if I, don't, if I don't get off this subject. But I think it's a payback year. Hell whipped us bad in 2020, trying to take away our religion, our spirituality, our church, everything that we had, all that we believed in. But here we are, post-Easter, post-resurrection, 4,600 people worship God this week. Why don't we declare some things and speak some things and say, son, stand still. I'm going to win the battle today. Is that all right? I feel like I'm kind of out in the left field here sometime. I'll ask my wife how I did. She'll tell me the truth. One of the best-selling business books of our time was called Built to Last. It did research on successful visionary companies. And one of the common traits that all of them ha had was B-H-A-G, big, hairy, audacious goals. <laughs> I wish it had said big, bald, audacious goals. <laughs> big, hairy, audacious goals. Leave it up there. What is it that God is wanting to do in the context of your story, in your life? in your family, in the people that you work with. Don't you think it's time for turnarounds in everybody that you come in contact with? We don't need just to be sitting there raising our hands, say, I believe it. We need to get up on the high wire and say, I have faith to do it. Come on now, come on now. What is the God-inspired vision that you have an opportunity to facilitate? What is the circumstances beyond your control but is a candidate for divine intervention in your life? The seemingly impossible thing that God is ready to do. When we talk about miracles or a move of God, let me categorize this now. Some people assume that we're only referring to the supernatural and the scientific phenomenons of miracles. No, not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about blind eyes seeing. I'm not talking about lame, lame legs walking. I'm not talking about the, the cripple being wailed. I'm not talking about dumb tongues singing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about broadening our minds on God's miraculous intervention to include the affairs of our everyday living. 
We put up with stuff every day that we need to cast out. We put up with stuff every day to try to get to the miracle. Why don't we start speaking to some things that are trying to stop us from getting to the miracle and start saying, son, stand still. Hold on right where you are because I've got some business to take care of before you can go down in my life. We want to open ourselves up to see God at work in ways that are relevant and tangible, otherwise impossible in our life, rather than standing by and accepting the natural progression slash deterioration. Speak up on behalf of a God that still works miracles. Do you believe he still does? Still turns circumstances around. A God that stills into restoring relationships. That's a miracle. Relationships. Healing wounds of the past. That's a miracle. Come on now. Giving us favor in, to the, right, in the right people's eyes. Come on now. Opening doors of opportunity. I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. Friends and family believing in Jesus. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. Putting us in a conversation that we've needed but not known how to have. And infusing us with the will and the power to overcome a habit or addiction that has been too strong for us. And helping us eliminate burdens of debt and get free of a debtor's prison. I'm telling you, God wants some everyday miracles ah, in our life. Now, if you're a first-time guest here tonight and you think I'm kind of losing my mind, I, I get worse than this sometimes. <laughs> but I want stuff like that to happen to people in this church. We're thinking about the far-reaching effects of huge, gigantic miracles when God wants to do a daily miracle in your life. <laughs> Providing financial breakthroughs and a new level of income. I'm going to pray for that right now. God... Give this church some raises. And listen, I'm not through praying. And if they're tithers, double it. Because God, we're going into new territory. We need the blessings and the favor of God. And God, we need new jobs and new raises and we need new positions. And you can do that. Son, stand still just a minute. I'm not finished. And God... You see my relationship with my boy, my daughter. You see my relationship with my family, my wife, my husband. God, fix that. Help us right now. And God, you understand that I need something in my life that I've never had. I need a want to in my life. Do you know that God can give you a want to to get up and want to go to work and want to love your family and want to come to church and want to do the right thing? Oh, I got to hurry, Lord, I'm preaching too long. The second thing, does it bother you to think your life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on your behalf? A great Danish philosopher and theologian said this. I want you to hear this, put it on the screen. It is a dangerous business to arrive in eternity with possibilities which one himself has pre prevented from becoming actualities. Possibility is a hint from God. A person must follow it. If God does not want it, then let him hinder it. The person must not hinder it himself. If God wants to stop it, let him stop it. But if he don't stop it, I'm coming on, Lord. I'm coming on. 
Son, stand still. We want to build a church this year. We want to grow a church, not just in number, but in character. Hallelujah. In fellowship. In love for the lost. In love for everybody. In care for people that are hurting. Come on. We want to build that kind of church, not just a number. We don't want people just to come and sit back and say, preach to me, Pastor. We want people that get involved and step up and say, I'm tired of stepping outside of the lines of reason. I want to be a part of this thing till Jesus comes. Come on, put a want to in your spirit. Tell, tell the son to stand still till you get that want to. Here's the reality in the context of your life. Today, families and career, that's what it's about. It's the miracle of today, the miracle of families and the miracle of your tomorrows. That the son could set on today's possibility bothers me without you seeing God move mightily. I hope that bothers you a little bit. Airplanes seem to be a place where I end up in most of my interesting conversations. I'm going to preach a message one day on things I've learned on airplanes in conversations. I've been working on that for a long time and it just don't have enough spiritual in it yet because I've learned some goofy stuff on airplanes. But a pastor friend of mine was sitting next to a retired judge from Miami who asked the pastor, Pastor, do you pray when the plane takes off? The pastor said he always said a prayer, and, and the, the judge was a lady. She said, I don't anymore. I figure that whatever is supposed to happen will happen. Que sera, sera. And if God wants to keep the, phone, the plane up, then he will. My prayer ain't going to help that. So even if you say yes, you may wonder, what can I do? God doesn't need me. Stop. Why doesn't God just do what he wants to do? The reality, hear me, is that God in his sovereignty has decided to a great extent to limit his involvement in this world to the willingness of his people and human beings. Think about it this way. Put it on the screen. God willed that we would will for his will to be done in our lives. Put that, on your, put that on your refrigerator. God willed that we would will for his will to be done in our life. President Thomas Jefferson was riding with a bunch of men one day on horseback traveling across the country with his team. They came to a river that was swollen because of a recent rain and there was no bridge, strong current. The bridge was out. And they were forced to cross on horseback. And there was a stranger who was standing by the river needing to cross. And he watched several riders plunge into the river. And then he asked the president if he could ride double with him. And after they got to the other side, some of the group asked him why he asked the president. And he said, the president? I didn't know he was the president. All I know is that on some faces was written the answer, No. On his face was written the answer, yes. When the president of our corporation, Jesus Christ, comes and visits us, are you going to have a no face or a yes face? Oh, let's talk right now. Are you going to say, here I am, Lord, use me? Are you going to say, uh-uh, uh-uh, not today. Use me, God. Come on, let's get a yes in our life. Let's get a yes in our life. God wants to move mightily in our lives. Randy, if you'll help me. A huge question to ask yourself is, when God has a plan, what does my face say? 
Yes or no? Oh, y'all got masks on. I can't see what y'all are thinking. <laughs> You're invited to be a main character in God's story. To be a history maker who sees God working mightily in your lifetime. And point number three, and I close. If we have the audacity to ask God, he has the ability to respond. Everybody say this. God loves big prayers. I said it the first, I'll say it the last. He loves big prayers. Ephesians 3 and 20 said, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in you. But three verses before, 17, 18, and 19, I want to read these. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length, and this is a New Testament word, and the depth and the height. And to know that the love of Christ, which passes, passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And when that happens, then now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above that, you're able to ask or think. Hear me. When you get impacted with the love of God in your life and you get the no off your face and a yes, you watch God do a number. It's not how, clap, how you clap your hands, how hard you worship. It's what are you saying back to God, yes or no? When we act with audacity toward the things God puts in our heart, we encounter a powerful, potent, sun-stand-still opportunity. And when we speak with audacity on behalf of God's purpose, heaven's power gets behind us when we act. And this is the part I love. When we impose our will on behalf of God's will, the impossible becomes possible. When I was a young kid, thank you, Randy. Randy, have I told you lately how much I appreciate you, buddy? I love you. Thank you. You're my brother. That's my brother. He always is on point. Sometimes I'm off point. Sometimes I'm a ball point. Sometimes I'm a number two pencil. <laughs> my thoughts are erased as soon as you get out of here. But I remember when I was just a kid. I remember when I was a kid. This may sound foolish to put this in a sermon. But I was a little sprint man. I, I, in the fifth grade, I was a sprinter. And I was in a small school, class A school, Sundown, Texas. And I got to sprint on the junior high team. The junior high team was six, seven, and eight, and I was a fifth grader, and they wanted me to sprint. But, I, you know, even though I was fast for my age, six, sixth grader is older, seventh grader is longer-legged, and an eighth grader calls me punk. So, you know, I realized that. And there was one old boy that when we'd go to district track meets and uh, he always saw me over there and he'd say, you gonna run again today? I hardly ever won. In fact, let me stop. I never won. <laughs> let me just think, I never won. I don't want to make it a story that's not a story. I never won. 
But I did have one old boy that I said, God, if you'll just let me beat him. Maybe he won't call me names anymore. And I don't know what happened that day. I don't know. But I came out of the blocks and I was running half mad that day. And I, 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 I eked him out at the finish line. I think I was next to last and he was last. And I went over to him and I said, I beat you. Now I'm a fifth grader. Okay, I'm a fifth grader. But I'll never forget, I beat you. Get out of here. And I looked at him as the devil. And I want you to know that you may not win the race against other people, but you can beat the intimidator in your race. We all run the race. We all run the race and only one wins the race. Either your purpose, your potential, or what you feel in your spirit that you can't do. Somebody's going to win the race. You're running against yourself. Don't let the intimidator stop you from running the race because you're not up with everybody else. Or they're ahead of you, way ahead of you. Just run your race. Run your race. Run your race. And that's what we're going to do at Christian Life Austin this year. Stand to your feet all over the building. What a joy. The Bible said, have faith in God. Say, have faith in God. Jesus said, truly I tell you, if anyone says to a mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen. It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Go home and read Mark 11, chapter 11, verse 22 through 24 and just say, son, I'm going to talk to you because I'm going to see some things in my life in 2021. Raise your hands all over the building. Let me pray for you. Dear Father, I love this people. And I thank you, Lord. And Lord, we're running a race. We're all in this thing together. And God, we may not cross the finish line first. That's not what it's about. But we've got to give it all we have. You gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to another. But all had the chance to double what you gave them. Lord, let us see the potential that we have in your name and in your presence and in our walk. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. 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 All right, we're going to take communion together. I hope you're ready to do that. Would you get your communion cup? We're going to take communion. First Wednesday, that's what we do at the church. You that are guests, if you don't want to take communion with us, it's all right. It's all right. Amen. We're not going to try to compel you to do this. But the Bible said if we're going to take it, we must do it worthily. You know what worthily is? It doesn't mean that you're free from sin, but worthily means you receive what Jesus did for you on the cross. The cross has not been canceled in your culture. You believe in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so if you believe in the cross of Jesus Christ and you have your cup, please take the bread out right now. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I receive your bread today and I receive it worthily because I thank you for the cross of redemption, for the stripes of healing, and for the spear that brought me salvation out of your side. And I love you with all my heart 
and I take your broken body into my being so I can be better in this life. In Jesus' name, receive the bread tonight. Receive it. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to take the fruit of the vine. I want you to hold it up to the heavens and I want you to say, Lord, you set us off as we do this. You said that. Do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, on this Wednesday night, the 7th of April, I receive your blood for without the shedding of blood, Hebrews 9.22 said, there's no remission of sin. There's no remission. And so, Lord, I receive your blood into my life as a healing, as a salvific experience in the name of the Lord. Receive it tonight in Jesus' name. Glory. If you want to go home tonight and read Psalms 118, many people say that when Jesus gave the Last Supper, they went to a mount, a little hill, and they sang a song, and Psalms 118 is the song they probably sang. So we're going to sing tonight. Lift your hands. We're going to dismiss you in just a moment. Give us three more minutes. We'll dismiss you. Sing, praise and worship team. Sing it. All right now, the blood of Jesus.
please go home and please understand that we've had a spiritual experience here tonight because the Word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's in this house tonight. And we've experienced Him. I love you from the bottom of my heart. Sunday's going to be a beautiful day. Let's come prepared to worship and prepared to receive. God bless you. You're the best in the world. I love you. Go out of here rejoicing.